0: This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960. It's Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. Uh, Today's show, we're going to focus on the wildcard race that continues to be interesting in the Western Conference. Last week, uh, we had Adam Vingan on uh, from sportsnet.ca. He spent a long time covering the Nashville Predators, looked at how the Preds have been able to stay in the race. Uh, we continue to talk about how the Calgary Flames continue to stay in the playoff race. And at the end of the day, yes, the Flames are, are getting points. They have points in nine of their last 12 games uh, since March 6th. So the Flames are, are doing their part here but the the big the big question mark here the the big helper we should say for the preds and the flames have been the winnipeg jets the jets have opened the door for calgary and nashville in this wild card race They've only won seven games out of their last 20, uh, I believe is is the most recent update on, on how the Preds are going. Things don't look good. There is a pretty high level of concern in Winnipeg right now, so we're going to spend the show talking about the Flames, digging into the massive win last night against the LA Kings, a 2-1 victory for Calgary at the Dome last night. Uh, Pat Steinberg's going to join the show shortly here. He's the host of Flames Talk. We'll dig into that with Pat. Let's go to the Atlas pizza guest hotline because we have our dear friend pat steinberg on the line and we're gonna dig into this game from last night again calgary flames beat the la kings 2-1 ending la's 12 game point streak that was a franchise record it's really good game nice pace jacob markstrom was excellent he made 20 saves in the second and third period 11 in the third to defend the 2-1 lead uh, that walker Dewar gave the team lots to dig into here pat what's up how are we doing today
0: I'm well. How we doing? That, uh, that piece from Murat uh, last night, this morning, it's, uh, yeah. boy, what, what's happening in Winnipeg feels like they're just, hey, we're going to copy the Flames. Like, it, it honestly, the conversations they're having in Winnipeg are the exact same that we've been having in Calgary. Can't beat teams below them. Can't get on yeah. a run. Star players not on the same page with head coach um, and, and, and and new head coach. I know Daryl's not a new head coach, but in this case, it's new players, Huberto Cadre, having a tough time getting on the same page with Daryl. And yeah. in Winnipeg, it's new head coach Rick Bonus having a tough time getting on the same page with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. And those two guys, especially Shifley, are getting eviscerated in that city. Like, it, it is crazy. How much the situation in Winnipeg mirrors what we're seeing in Calgary. And I thought the Jets were pretty fraudulent for where they were in the first half of the season. I didn't think they were yeah. that good. I also didn't see them coming back down to work this dramatically. But knowing just how similar the two teams have been this year and the discourse, how similar it is, I guess it's kind of fitting that they're two points apart with seven games to go.
1: It's, um, it's, it's interesting because we're in a situation where I think in Winnipeg, it's not just the coach, uh, like the players are playing a role here too. Like some of the numbers are just abysmal. Blake Wheeler hasn't scored since Valentine's Day. Kyle Connor has zero goals in nine games. Luke, Pierre-Luc Dubois has one goal in ten games. Mark Shifley, zero goals in nine games. They've been shut out three times in their last seven. Like, there's, there's a lot of issues that the players are in control of, but at the same time, Rick Bonus certainly isn't helping. And, and, you know, if you look at some of the Twitter timelines of people in Dallas and they're reading the story from Marat today and looking at what's happening in Winnipeg, uh, don't look too far to, to find teams saying like, hey, that looks pretty familiar uh so there is a common denominator with some of these common issues and it's been rick bonus so i'm excited to talk to murad about it because he he's been covering that team and following them really well things aren't going great in winnipeg and it's completely opened the door and kept that door open for calgary And, and last night pat they they take advantage, and now they're only two points behind Winnipeg. They would need three to pass them because the tie break at this point in the season. Uh, but Calgary's still in it, and last night was probably the biggest win of the season. I'm sure we could say that over the course of the next couple weeks here, but that was a major two points against a team that has absolutely been clicking. Uh, What's out to you from last night, Pat?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think from here on out, I don't think there's any game that isn't the biggest game of the season and it's been that way for like the the last I don't know 12 or 13 games that's just kind of the way they need to look at it now and if they don't they're not going to get there so uh, and they played like it last night what stood out is that that was a really solid effort from start to finish and from the goaltender out you can tell from minute one that Jacob Markstrom was dialed in and he has been for the most part uh, over his last I don't know 11 12 starts there's a couple there that he looked a little tired and fatigued got the rest against Anaheim last week and his comeback just like he was before so jacob looked dialed in from the get-go uh and and from there on out they had a really good approach and they had a game plan coming off what happened last monday when uh the kings blew them out 8-2 at crypto.com arena um they came out with a purpose they came out they were playing close together uh, they were physical, and that was an area that I, I really thought stood out right away was that they were the team that I thought was bringing the physicality, and that's maybe more what L.A. likes to do. And the Flames, whether it was Kadri or Weger or Zadorov or Lucic, uh, that was very much on display, how physically engaged the Flames were. Um, and they got an early power play. They scored on it. And, and I think the thing that stood out to me most Is that so many times this year, these one goal games that the Flames have been a part of? they found a way to let that one goal lead get away from them. Well, last night they played with a one goal lead essentially all night. There was, it was tied for about 10 minutes, 11 minutes. The rest of the time, the Flames had a one goal lead and they looked comfortable, especially in the second and third period, especially when LA started to push, they looked comfortable. And and yeah, Jacob had to make a couple of big stops, but that's going to happen against a team that was 10 and 2 in their last 12 games and is fighting for top spot in the West that team's going to get their opportunity. So Jacob is the last line of defense was there in the third period when they needed him. but I felt they looked comfortable. They didn't look scrambly when they had to be on their heels. They were, they were on their heels intelligently. But as Daryl Sutter said last night after the game, you know, for him, it's no longer about holding two, one lead. It's about trying to get that next one. And despite the flame, the fact that flames didn't get that next one, although they did uh especially the third one that got that got called back and you know the second one was um i'm glad it didn't end up being a loss for the flames because that would be a massive topic uh if they end up losing but the flames did a nice job playing with the mentality that they need to get the next one they kept on it they kept the the kings hemmed in at times it wasn't going into a prevent or a shell or a protect type mentality so i just thought from start to finish it was a really well-played game on both sides but i thought for the 60 minutes the flames for the vast majority of it despite it being a well-played game on both ends the flames were the better of the two groups deserved the two points uh, obviously winnipeg did them the favor by completely soiling the sheet in San Jose, and and <laughs> now here they are uh, two games back. And and I know that they're a game back from tying. It's that one extra point they'll need, so they're still two games back, but they're rolling. They've got three of four, and, and I think it would be hard to not feel slightly differently even the most pessimistic of flames fans or flames observers i think it'd be hard not to feel a little bit different about where they sit after tuesday night as opposed to going into tuesday night because you know things have turned rather dramatically over the last few weeks specifically with with what winnipeg's doing
1: yeah and i think if you look at the strength of schedule and i know that this is something we've talked about before like you know this team hasn't exactly shown that they've been the beneficiaries of an easier strength of schedule because they've had issues playing down to opponents. Uh, but we're also seeing a team that is collecting points. They have at least one point in nine of their last 12. They're 7-3-2 and two since March 6th. So maybe we're looking at, it's a small-ish sample size, but we're looking at a Flames team that seems to be putting things together at the right time. And in terms of strength of schedule for the rest of the season, there is not a team with an easier strength of schedule than the Calgary Flames. They play 57 percent of the rest of their games at home, uh, which is a benefit. And the average opponent's, you know, projected points at the end of the season is 76, which is the lowest in the league, whereas Winnipeg actually has a bit harder of a schedule. It's not super difficult. It's not super easy either. The Jets are playing, you know, 71 percent of their games at home. Uh, but the average projected point total of their opponents is 92. So Winnipeg's gonna be playing some tougher opponents than Calgary. So there's a real opportunity for the Flames to to capitalize on the Jets completely falling apart. Now Winnipeg still has better odds at making the playoffs. Like they are, they have the best odds to kind of round out that second wild card spot. But but it's close. You know, Dom Luscheckian does his daily. Uh, playoff projections, Pat, and the Flames have a 28% chance at making the playoffs. Uh, so it's actually not that close still. 28% for the Flames according to Dom and 53% according for the Winnipeg Jets. So it's still pretty far apart. But at the same time, when you look at how the Jets are playing and you think that the Flames are, are starting to put things together, I think it's easy to feel a bit optimistic. Like in your opinion, you know, again, they have points in nine of their last 12. Things seem to be working a bit better. Like, what seems to be kind of clicking for, for Calgary in this important stretch of the season?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's important that after a big win against the Kings, they don't follow their same pattern. And that pattern has been, well, a good game followed by a bit of a bad game. And that Vancouver game on Friday, it, it, seems, it seems like somewhat of a... I don't want to say trap game, but it's just one that uh, it, it feels a little worrisome because the Canucks are taking points off of everybody right now. What, they're eight two and one in their last eleven. Rick Tocchet's got them going. So you're like, okay, this is the time to break your pattern if you're the Flames. They haven't won three in a row since December, and so winning three in a row in at this stage of the year, yeah, that'd be pretty important. Um, and and so what's going differently? I, I don't I don't really know if that much is different from what I'm seeing in the month of March, than what we saw earlier in the season, there's still shot volume. Um, there's still shot volume Kings. There's still, you know, the group that, that spends more time with the puck on their stick than the opposition does. Uh, there's still a team that can be offensively challenged. There's still a team that's planning a want a lot of one goal games. I guess the difference would be they've gotten a little bit more puck luck in the month of March some of the things that have been bouncing against them all year seems to have bounced for them this month and and I think the the biggest the biggest thing that's been different is the play of Markstrom and I know that the Dallas and LA losses were nights where he was not necessarily on but those are the two and the rest of them, 10 or 11, have been really, really good. And so the way Jacob is playing and not just giving them a chance to win, but kind of really solidifying things and I think exuding confidence out from the group to, to the group in front of them, I think that's the biggest change from what we saw in October through February uh, where he wasn't doing that. And you didn't know who the best option was to go with on a night-by-night basis. in And now you know. There's no doubt about it. They made the right call to put jacob back in as the starter in the final quarter of the season i wondered if that was the right call i I questioned it it was the right call Uh, there is no reason for me to question it uh that he has responded in the right way so that to me is the number one biggest reason is what we've seen from jacob and you know huberdo has been putting up a little bit more in terms of offense cadre over the last four games has been a little bit more engaged Um, So I think that that some of the other top – Uyghur's play has been a huge – huge. not only has Uyghur – Uyghur's been strong defensively for most of the season, but now we're seeing him more and more involved on the offensive side of things to kind of supplement what he's done in his own end away from the puck. So top players are making more of an impact, and that's led by Jacob Markstrom. To me, that is the number one biggest issue why things have changed the way that they have here.
1: Yeah, and I think last night Jacob Markstrom is, you know, the player of the game, right? He he puts together a really good game. Uh, again, I mentioned this off the top. He had 20 saves in the second and third period, 11 in the third uh, to defend the lead. Like, just really good stuff from Jacob Markstrom last night. But I did want to talk about Mackenzie Weger a little bit because he had... An excellent game. He had the most positive impact on the game in terms of the offense and defensive side of the puck. Uh, That's per hockey stat cards. They take Dom's game score value added model, and they put it into daily post-game report cards, so to speak. And McKenzie Weaker graded out as the best skater in that game last night. Uh, The Kings didn't get a whole lot going when he was on the ice. Their expected goals were quite low. He was very good in transition, which was key against a Kings team that has been very good at clogging up the neutral zone. They play that one 3 one. Uh, They make it really tough to to kind of exit and enter the zone. And we knew that Mackenzie Wieger, coming into this season and joining the Flames, was one of the best defenders in transition, really good at getting the puck up ice, really good at being that guy that gets the offense going from the back end. And I think we saw that last night. We've been seeing that, as you mentioned, Pat, a little bit more from, from Wieger.
0: He's been, he's been outstanding uh, over the – and look, He's had himself a really good season, um, and he's, he's definitely been um, a, a guy that they've been able to count on for most of the year. But he really, for the first half of the season, there was not much there offensively. And, and I think that was absolutely a product of the same thing we've talked about with Jonathan Huberto in terms of learning a new coach and learning all the details that go into playing for Daryl Sutter. And then from there, getting comfortable with it and new surroundings, new partner, uh, playing on his left some games, playing on his right some games. He's back on his strong side right now. When Tanev returns, whenever that'll be, he'll almost certainly go back to his weak side and be playing on on his offhand. But now that the comfort level is there and all the details away from the puck and in his own zone, and the checking details that that Daryl Sutter is so adamant about, now that those things seem to have become second nature for him, you're seeing him be a whole lot more confident and assertive when it comes to stepping up. And, And it's not just what we're seeing offensively. And there have been multiple times over the last month or so where he's done a great job of, holding a line, stepping up on the offensive blue line, putting himself in a more dangerous area to shoot and either shooting it or using that as a decoy to move it to an even more dangerous area and, and opening ice up for the team. But it's also the way that he's stepping up in his own zone, his up pass. You talked about his transition play. He is so good on both sides of transition, and we've seen that a lot of it, a, a lot of lately. The way that he uh, jumps up and, and uses his feet and skates to get himself into the play, and also the way that he is able to use that really solid first pass to help the team get out. And then away from the puck, I don't know if there's a better player on the team killing plays. And the amount of times that Daryl Sutter talks about or or any of these coaches talk about killing plays, that's exactly what Liger does. His stick is so good. It is so hard to get a rim past him or to get a chip past him to start getting possession going. So he's been great. And and I feel like he's taken an even larger step since Tannem's been out the last four games. He and Anderson together have been really solid as a pairing. Yeah, he's... uh, I know that people are waiting for Huberto to kind of show that same comfort level, but right now we're absolutely seeing it from Weger. And he's been a big reason why this team has, has taken some, some steps in the result department as well.
1: And last night, of course, it's, it's Walker Dewar who gets the game winning goal. You know, there were a couple insurance goals that got called back that probably shouldn't have Uh, I mean, we heard from Daryl Sutter. He thought both of them were goals. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but regardless, it's Walker Dewar who gets the game winner to make it 2-1 in the first period. Jacob Markstrom holds on to the lead. Uh, we did get a note in the text line that, you know, Walker is not getting enough credit this season. So I do want to, you know, give him his flowers a little bit. He's a guy that's come in. He, he plays a role. Uh, he does it really well and it seems like he's progressed a lot over the course of the season as well. What, what have you seen in terms of growth and impact from Walker Dewar this season?
0: Well, dude, is way more confident, um, and, and that, that is clear. Um, he's using his speed. He's using his kind of uh, ability to – he's not the biggest guy, but because he plays with so much speed, he can, he can win a lot of battles physically. And and he's just he looks comfortable and and he's so perfectly slotted as their fourth line right winger right now. And I know there's a lot of people saying elevate, elevate, elevate. No. He is, right now, that fourth line, especially the combo of Lewis, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Milan Lucic, who has been much better since he got back in the lineup, but that combo of Lewis and Dewar have been so good together almost every game they've played, and that can be a matchup edge for the Flames. When when they go into the Vancouver game, I think you're going to take Calgary's fourth line if Lewis and Lucic are playing like this. Uh, against Vancouver. Uh, sorry, if Lewis and Dewar are playing like this uh, against Vancouver's fourth line. And and so they play with speed. They play simple, straightforward. It's pucks on net. It's good, hard rims and good, hard uh, clears or, or dumps into the zone. And they're really good at retrievals. And they're really good at having... Doer go in and win that battle. I mean, even take a look at the goal that he scored. That's just, a, and I know that maybe a little fortunate of that bounce off the end boards, but it's the same straightforward type of thought. They came in, Lewis didn't think of doing anything fancy, tried to put the puck on net, missed, but it was hard enough that it came off the end boards right to Dewar, and he made no mistake. And Like every single one of Dewar's goals, except for maybe the one that he scored his first NHL goal have been him right around the crease, fighting hard for pucks and right in a in, in good close in areas to score. So yeah, he's been a real revelation for this team. He honestly reminds me so much of Garnet Hathaway, the way they play the games, the fact that they are both uh, right shot, fourth line right wingers, but also the way Doer is projecting, he's like one of those fourth line wingers that you pay for and you keep and you covet because of the matchup advantages that he brings. And, you know, Garnet Hathaway yeah. scored 14 goals in a season before. I think somewhere, if, if Dewar continues to show this, I think somewhere in the, you know, Fifteen range uh, for a career high wouldn't be crazy for him. Like he he gives you something, and that's a real matchup edge for this team. And you can this team is <laughs> built not on their high end, not on their top of the depth chart. You know, overpowering strength. They ain't the Oilers. They ain't the Avalanche. They ain't the Bruins. This is a team that is built on their one through four ability to match up, and and their depth on defense, and and. What we have seen with Dewar on the fourth line recently with Kadri on the third line is that they're winning some of those matchups that they should be winning and they're using their depth as an advantage. And and to me, that's why Dewar's been so important for me. And I know there's a lot of discourse about should Pelche be in, should Pelche not be in, but... I don't think there's any discourse on Walker Dewar. Walker Dewar should be in where he is. He's perfectly slotted, and he helps this team win games right now. It's been a really – it's a really cool story.
1: And I've got to say, too, that's really just savvy (laughs) amateur scouting by the Calgary Flames organization and Bradtree Living to make that signing Um, because when Walker Dewar first signed with the Flames as a college free agent – I had a couple of people reach out to me and say, like, I don't really know why he's not a guy, I, you know, kind of picked that was going to sign. And then a year later, uh, pe- the same people are saying to me, like, OK, yeah, <laughs> Flames did good with that one because I did not see this coming because he just didn't project out to, to be kind of a top college free agent, I guess. And, yeah, that was some some scouts and. You know, prospect analysts who are like, I don't really know what to say. I didn't see this coming. Uh, so it's been a really pleasant surprise and, and good work by the Flames to identify a guy, as you mentioned, like Garnet Hathaway. Of course he was with Dimitri Orlov in that deal, but, you know, that's, that's a guy that the Boston Bruins valued enough to package a first, a third, and a second round pick and Craig Smith as a cap dump to the Caps to, to bring in at the deadline. So those kind of guys are always valuable, as you mentioned, Pat. Um. You know, looking at another young guy, the big news over the weekend is that Matthew Coronado signs his entry level contract. He met with the media yesterday, was at morning skate. We saw the kind of nice moments, uh, Jacob Peltier taking him under his wing, which, uh, seems really great. Um, but when do you think we can expect to see Matthew Coronado in the lineup, Pat? Is it this week? Is it Friday? Is it against Anaheim? Maybe what do you, what do you kind of think on when fans can, can get to see Coronado with the Flames?
0: Honestly, and I don't want to—I don't want to like completely shut the door, but like maybe game eighty-one or game eighty-two. Honestly, I, I just—it's—it's really? it's, it's hard for me, to and I don't—I don't necessarily think that's the way it should be, but it's just—and and I would love to be wrong on this. I would love to have a, a poor read on this, but just listening to what Daryl Sutter has said and knowing who this coach is, I mean. Jacob Pelche has sat six of the last seven as a healthy scratch, and he's got almost two full seasons of professional hockey under his belt. Coronado's younger, has zero professional experience, one morning skate, and and if Pelche's not playing, all of a sudden they're going to put Coronado in to play and to play him regularly? I don't know, friend, like it, it feels like that's still a little ways off, especially knowing that Friday, it's another game. Like, Friday, the Flames could be tied in points with Winnipeg, depending the way things go. Mm-hmm. Jets play Detroit. Flames play the Canucks. Like, can you see Daryl putting Coronado in? with? He'll have one practice under his belt, one real practice. Can you see them putting Coronado in for that game?
1: Especially if they keep winning games. Like, you don't even want to mess up. You know, even with Peltier, it's like, okay, well, we just beat the LA Kings. Why would we shake up who's in and who's out right now? Uh, but if that's kind of the equation that we're looking at, why, uh, why sign and bring him in and potentially burn the first year? Well, just, they, don't, like work, game, just don't, like, if he's only going to play one game, just don't.
0: <laughs> they wanted to get they wanted to get him in that's why. They they wanted to make sure there was no worry because all of a sudden he goes back for a junior year and then is and I know they got Johnny after his junior year but all of a sudden that becomes a whole lot more worrisome. They wanted to get him out and get him around this team as soon as humanly possible. And and so I think I think it was whether or not he plays in game 82 game 81 or doesn't play at all although i do think he'll get at least a game in but regardless of when he plays i still think it was a win for the team to get him out after his sophomore season and to avoid any type of consternation any type of worry and and then to be able to get him around the nhl team get him into practices get him into the thick of a playoff race uh look i would love to see him play i'd like to see him play i think that he could add something he's a what have they got to lose in terms of a right-shot, right-wing scoring threat. I'd like to see it. I really would. Um, and I think it would be a cool experiment because even though they're coming off a win over the Kings and they're right there for the playoffs, they still need scoring punch. So in my opinion, yes, I would put them in. I just don't think it's going to happen. My read is is that it, it, it feels still a little ways off. So, and whether, and, and, and whether or not they do it or not or they wait uh, five or six more games to do it um, or not, right. I still think it's a win getting them out of college. And, yes, they had to burn the first year. But um, I I think all day, every day, you were going to try to get them out as soon as possible, just knowing how they've been burned in the past uh, and just knowing that you go back for the junior year and then all of a sudden, at the end of your junior year, you're a year away from calling your own shot. That's tempting. Two years away, the offer and being able to get a $92,500 signing bonus straight into your bank account – that that maybe is a little more tempting than waiting two years to call your shot. You know, all of a sudden you're a year away. That's that. You start to get into that weird limbo territory, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Good point. That's fair. Um, and the one thing too, is like, this isn't, and I think Maddie Beniers has kind of been the example of like, Ooh, a college player can come in and make an immediate impact. I mean, that was garbage time. The Kraken were, were out of it. They were not going to make the postseason. And Matty Baneers is a great player, but he's even said, like, I went in into like kind of a no pressure situation, could add a little spark. And you know, this is kind of the opposite of that. The Flames are in must win games every single night, and so you know, you got to think your prospects. Well, do you want them to potentially lose confidence? Do you want to put them in that situation? Uh, there's lots mm-hmm. to consider there with Coronado. Uh, last one for you, Pat, before we let you go. Final seven games of the season coming up for the Flames. What is, like, the single biggest thing that needs to go right for this team to catch the Winnipeg Jets and make the playoffs?
0: Well, I guess two things come to mind right away. They got to beat Winnipeg uh, a week from today. So that's game 79. They got to beat Winnipeg heads up in their last matchup and they got to they gotta get Markstrom, or not get Markstrom, they got to have Markstrom continue playing the way that he is. Those are the two things without question that need to happen for this team to make it, and and Nashville remains this stalking horse. It's hard to see how game 79 and game 81, 79 in Winnipeg, 81 at home to Nashville. It's hard to see how both those games don't have significant meaning in this playoff race. Uh, Winnipeg and Nashville play once more as well, so there's Three more head-to-heads in this three-way somewhat turtle derby for the last wild card spot. Um, So, but yeah, I think the two things they got to beat Winnipeg straight up, and you know, preferably in regulation. Obviously, the the overtime shootout thing doesn't help as much. But you just got to beat them, period. That's one. And number two, Markstrom has got to keep on rolling the way that he is. And at this rate, and maybe you put Blidar in for Chicago. On Tuesday of next week, but at this rate, we're getting a steady dose of Jacob Markstrom for the rest of the season, as we should.
1: I don't have this off the top of my head, Pat. I, I maybe it's because. So the Jets won one, the Flames won one. So if the Flames get this next one, then the Flames get the tiebreak. So that's obviously very critical, right?
0: Against on the, the Jets, season series? The time, the, yeah. Yes, but the season series is the number four tiebreaker. So the number one tiebreaker Ooh. the Jets have, and that's the regulation win. So Jets have three more regulation ah, wins right. than Calgary, um, and they've got, what, eight more ROWs. So the Jets hold yeah. the first... They'll, they'll hold the first three tiebreakers unless Calgary can close that gap between now and the end mm. of the regular season on regulation wins, which is difficult, but not completely out of the yeah. question. But the Jets have the upper hand if it ends in a tie. That's why realistically... The Flames are going to need to pass them and be a point ahead of them to get in.
1: Yeah, can't rely on the tiebreak. Yeah, Flames have 28 regulation wins. Winnipeg has 31, and they're both at 75 games on the season. So that'll be a tough one to, to close the gap on. So best not to rely on the tiebreakers. Thanks for this, yeah. Pat. Bye, friend. Okay, there goes Pat Steinberg. He's the host of Flames Talk. You can catch that show later this afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. That was the weekly Pat chat with my uh, my buddy Pat Steinberg. And that conversation is brought to you by the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, presented by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take or delivery at 403 248 3344. We're gonna to head to break and coming up next, we're gonna continue this kind of look at the wild card race in the West. The Winnipeg Jets have opened up the door and they have kept it open with their play. Only seven wins in their last twenty-one games. We're gonna break all that down. That's coming up next on Hockey Central and sports at 960 the fan.
0: You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan.
1: All right, welcome back into the show. Hockey Central continues. We do want to dig into the Winnipeg Jets here because, as we mentioned earlier on the show with Pat Steinberg, they have opened the door for teams like Calgary and Nashville in the wild card race. They've won seven of their last 21 games. Uh, players are, you know, on massive goal scoring droughts. There's been issues with the coach, uh, issues with the players. They're not seemingly not on the same page. And, uh, we can just go through some of these numbers here, uh, Goal scoring is a massive issue for the Winnipeg Jets right now. In the last seven games, they've been shut out three times. Mark Scheifele has zero goals in nine games. Blake Wheeler has zero goals in 21 games. Kyle Connor, zero and nine. Pierre-Luc Dubois, one goal in his last 10. And it looks like one of the big issues for this team right now is the coach and the fact that the coach and the players are not on the same page. Uh, We heard... Last night, Mark Shifley talking about things that are going wrong in Winnipeg right now and how uh, they need to hold the puck more and look for high danger chances and get into spots where they can score more from. You know, Mark Shifley talking about puck possession being great. And then, you know, very shortly after, we hear Rick Bonus come out and talk about how they need to not just keep holding on the puck, they need to get shots on net and put pucks out uh, and and quit holding holding on to it you know you don't have to look for the perfect opportunity just shoot the puck so uh it looks like mark Scheifele and rick bonus are on two completely different pages when it comes to how things should go uh and you know last night there was a really good example of of you know something that's going wrong in Winnipeg that is kind of on the coach. So uh, this is from Marat. You know, look no further at some of the issues la- that this team is facing. That in the first period of Winnipeg's three nothing loss to San Jose last night, uh, Mark Shifley spins off a check. He's behind the Sharks' net. He puts a very good pass, a very dangerous pass, to his line mate in the slot. However. That line mate was not, you know, say Nikolai Ehlers, who is second on the team in scoring. Um, it was Blake Wheeler, who has not scored a goal since February 14th. Uh, again, he's one of those guys in a massive goal scoring drought, zero goals in his last 21 games. Uh, but it's Blake Wheeler who gets that pass from Mark Shifley because it's Blake Wheeler who's on the top line in Winnipeg right now. Uh, and Nikolai Ehlers, again, who is one of the most productive players on the Winnipeg Jets, is on the third line. Uh, so it's little things like that that have been going on in Winnipeg that's kind of made people question, you know, these are very strange lineup decisions. Uh, you know, why are some players getting docked their time on ice? Why are some players being elevated up the lineup? And, uh, this is something that is not entirely new with a Rick Bonus coached team uh you know one of my colleagues Saad Youssef had a really great thread on on Twitter yesterday or this morning I should say looking at all of the similarities between what's happening in Winnipeg and what happened last season in Dallas um you know strange lineup decisions uh strange deployment and ice time decisions you know Rick bonus very pointedly calling out the players um you know, veteran players publicly at odds with the coaching philosophy and scoring gone dry. So while I agree with a lot of fans and other, you know, kind of critics of the Winnipeg Jets saying, well, at some point, these players need to just put the puck in the net. I mean, Blake Wheeler's on the top line, uh, you know, if he's being given that opportunity, if he's being you know, Given these passes, he needs to put the puck in the net. He needs to score on those opportunities. And sure, I agree with that. At some point, the players need to perform. But at the same time, it's on the coach to make the right personnel decisions. And if Blake Wheeler has shown that he can't put the puck in the net in those situations, why is he being put there versus somebody who's shown that they can bury that opportunity in the past so again it's the Winnipeg Jets that have really opened the door uh, and it's on Calgary to kind of take this opportunity and run with it um, as we mentioned on the segment with Pat uh, the Flames currently have a 28 percent chance at making the postseason as per Dom luce model I believe Money Puck has them a little bit higher at 31 percent uh, the Winnipeg Jets, though, still have the better odds at making the playoffs and and rounding out that final wild card spot in the Western Conference. Um, but the Flames do have a, an easier strength of schedule. The Winnipeg Jets do have a bit uh, tougher sledding down the stretch here. So we'll see uh, if if Calgary can take advantage of that strength of schedule and if Winnipeg continues to kind of bleed points. Uh, if that's something that the Flames can can take advantage of. Um, the kind of main point of the story is just how the Jets and Rick Bonus, you know, the players, they need to get on the same page because their season's on the line and things are not going well over there. And the shine is worn off. It, it's interesting, Cam, I don't know if you've seen this, but, you know, earlier in the season, you know, everyone was getting mad at the national media for not giving the Winnipeg Jets enough respect, yep. not enough attention. Yeah uh and then everyone was just saying like i don't believe it i'm not buying it i'm sorry i don't think they're this good uh and then of course things kind of come crumbling down very quickly this is a team that started their first 30 games they were 29 and one yeah um Oof. so they had a really good start and everyone's like eh, i think it's just connor hellebuck i'm not buying it and people in winnipeg were very upset about that uh now it's kind of crumbling
0: yeah well it's like pat was saying um you know, it's following the same story kind of that the Flames are having. And with the the troubles of Jacob Markstrom early, you know, Calgary's having a hard time getting wins. And, you know, no. now, <clears throat> excuse me, he's he's pulled it together. Flames are winning. Hellebuck has fallen off a little yeah. bit. Jets are losing.
1: Yeah. Um, and, of course, we just got a note in the text line. Does anybody worry about the Predators making the playoffs? Why is everyone only talking about Winnipeg? I think that would be like can, the Flames catching the Jets. You know, getting to game 82 and then having the Predators win in would just be uh, not great. And I think it is a legitimate threat. I think the Predator, the Predators are an interesting one. And we had Adam Vingan on the show last week. And if anybody missed that conversation and want to dig into that more, the show is available on demand. It's Hockey Central 960 on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The Predators are interesting because you have UC Soros who is one of the top goalies in the NHL. He should be getting some Vesna attention for what he's doing down the stretch here. A 35-save performance last night for the Preds to beat the best team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, two to one. Uh, it's not often that you see the Bruins only score one goal, especially against a team that's on the outside looking at the postseason. But I think if there's a reason to be worried about the Preds, it's that they have two games in hand and they have a goaltender who can steal games. I mean, I was concerned last season, it's a different team to be sure, but last season I was concerned about, you know, potentially... The Flames having to play against the Preds in the first round because that's a heavy team. They do have some skill at the top of their lineup and they have a very, very good goaltender who can steal games for them. The reason to not be overly concerned about Nashville, though, is because of the amount of injuries that they currently have. If you just look at their active roster and the way that the lines and D pairs are going, there's not a ton there at the moment, Uh, you know, Matt Duchesne got hurt the other night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ryan Johansson's already out for the season. Roman Yossi is still out. Um, You know, when you look at their D pairs, I think Dante Fabro and Ryan McDonough are the top pair, which is fine. That's not a bad number one D pair. Uh, Tyson Berry is on the second pair. and, And then you have Kevin Gravel who has typically been, you know, an AHL depth guy in most organizations. So there's a ton of injuries. No Philip Forsberg, uh, no Mark Borowiecki still. And again, Matt Duchesne is is still out. Um, or not Matt Duchesne, he's recently out, excuse me, after getting hurt against the Toronto Maple Leafs, blocked a shot off his hand. Uh, so the Preds are a concern, but they're just so depleted, and especially considering how many guys they moved out at the deadline. So... Keep an eye on the Nashville Predators because of UC Soros. But also, there's not a whole lot going on there in Nashville.
0: Seven Maybe guys they're... are injured. Yeah. Seven.
1: And they are important ones at the top of their lineup. It's it's the Duchesne, Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. Yeah. Four guys who are at the top of your lineup are out. But they just went and beat the Boston Bruins last night. So, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you know, be a little concerned about Nashville. Um, but I do still think Winnipeg is the one that you're trying to catch. Winnipeg's the one that's currently in that driver's seat, so to speak, being in the wild card. So they've got two opponents. It's uh, I've seen a lot of memes lately of <laughs> the Western Conference wild card race. Is like, does anyone want to win it? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Uh, same in the East. The Florida Panthers and the Pittsburgh Penguins clearly just don't want to make the playoffs. So. <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens it's always exciting it continues to be interesting even if it's a little bit of a you know a sad a sad fight to the finish here and we'll be back on friday for a game day edition of hockey central before the flames take on the vancouver canucks that's all the time we have today thanks everyone for listening and we will see you on friday